Are you struggling to get your project off the ground? Is the term research a dirty word? Need help finding more resources? Today, the Center for Nursing Inquiry has a guest to join the podcast. Welcome, Carolyn Fowler. Carolyn is the director of the Center for the Practice of Collaborative Leadership at the Johns Hopkins Hospital. She holds faculty joint appointments at the Johns Hopkins University School of Nursing and Bloomberg School of Public Health. Carolyn, who trained and worked as a nurse in South Africa, is an award-winning educator whose career has bridged public health and healthcare, as well as academic and practice settings. Her unifying career focus has been developing leadership and community capacity to find evaluation-informed collaborative solutions to complex issues. At CPCL, Carolyn's focus is supporting nurses from frontline to boardroom in the practice of trust building, curiosity, and personal mastery. Welcome, Carolyn Fowler. Here we go. Welcome back to another Center for Nursing Inquiry podcast. Elizabeth Scala here, your host. Thank you so much to everyone who's been tuning in week after week, or I should say month after month. These podcasts come out on a monthly basis. And again, they're brought to you by the Center for Nursing Inquiry. Today, we have a wonderful guest visiting us again. We've interviewed Carolyn three times prior, but now we're on another series with Carolyn Fowler from the Center for the Practice of Collaborative Leadership. So Carolyn, welcome to the podcast again. Thanks for inviting me back, Elizabeth. Yes, we keep inviting you back because we keep learning so much. And in each of the podcasts we have with Carolyn and and all of our guests, we provide information, kind of like an overview. You know, we're not going too deep. We're not going too in-depth. We try to keep these podcasts short and focused. So today our topic is what one must know before holding a focus group. And I want to preface that we're not going to be going into the logistics of the focus group. There are references out there to tell you how to set up your interview guide and that kind of thing, which Carolyn can also go into. But for the purposes of today's podcast, we're going to focus more so on the key mindsets, the approaches, you know, how do you show up? What's your mindset as you approach a focus group? Is that correct, Carolyn? That's about it. I may also talk about some key components of focus groups, but absolutely. And I can share a a favorite resource for how to do the logistics, but I'd love us to really focus on those key approaches. Why don't we hold off on the resource towards the end and we will get into those approaches at this point. So I'm sure the audience has heard the term focus group before. And I've heard that you say that designing and facilitating focus groups can be more challenging than we think about when we're set out to do so. So can you begin with explaining what a focus group is and why we would use one? Right. So what a focus group is not is bringing 25 people into the room and having a conversation. And that is what I hear being done far, far too often. Ideally, a focus group is a thoughtful, interactive discussion. It usually involves a small group of people, maybe five to eight people who have something in common. They're not necessarily too similar, but they have some shared characteristics. It's a way of collecting qualitative data And we do that through a carefully focused discussion. 
and we want to explore a topic of interest. So we can use it for pilot testing to see whether materials are okay or things like that. But in my experience here, the real value of focus groups for us in the work we do in nursing inquiry is that it helps us explore contextual factors, it helps us explore maybe what people believe is possible, maybe what people think, potential barriers to adopting new practices. So it's a, it's a very exploratory conversation that we're having to generate not only what people know individually, but in the process of this interactive conversation, we in some ways get greater insights through the collective contribution of the members than we may get separately from them. What it is not also is a group administration of a survey. So it's not that I'm going to sit them down and say, answer question one, answer question two. We go into the conversation with a clear design. We have a guide of questions that we want to ask, but it's very iterative. It's very fluid so that as people raise issues or concerns or, or maybe we begin to realize that something else is going on, we have the, the flexibility to pause and explore and sometimes come up with emerging ideas and insights that were never possible to have seen before. Very interesting. I appreciate the distinctions between what the focus group is not and also what the focus group is. I know that you are someone who's designed and led many, many focus groups. I had the pleasure of being an observer in some of those years past. So, Carolyn, what is your number one priority when you facilitate the focus group discussion? Well, it's probably not what you think is going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> I think it is. The essential skill is the ability to create and hold a safe space for discovery. Focus groups really work best when the participants are comfortable and they have to feel safe, they have to feel respected, they have to feel that they can offer their insights and opinions without fear of retribution or judgment. And we want to create an environment in which people are willing to disclose. Because if I don't feel safe, I'm going to hold on to my information. If I think that my opinion is maybe different than somebody else's or may not be the popular opinion or insight, if I'm not safe, I'm not going to offer it. And so it allows people to stay in a place of curiosity. Um, the other thing that you probably noticed when you observed focus groups that I've done is that the conversations can get quite deep and quite personal. And so people are sometimes laying out emotions in a group where they have something in common with people, but they don't necessarily know people. And if we cannot guarantee confidentiality and respect and safety, then people are never, ever going to trust us with those really important experiences and insights. Hmm. Very important and um, very, very personal. I like, it's interesting that you can get uh, people in a room, like you said, that may not necessarily know each other, may have some things in common, may or may not have lots in common. But if that safe space is created and then felt subsequently, that the focus group can be a tool to have that powerful sharing. So 
I know we talked about psychological safety in our previous podcast and the last batch recording. So folks, remember the Center for Nursing Inquiry puts out these podcasts month after month. So if you go backwards in time and you're listening pleasure, we did, Carolyn and I, talk about psychological safety in our collaborative teams. What else should we be aware of, Carolyn, when we're working with focus group data? The way that I think about data And this is what helps me anchor my intention around the way that I work with it, is that I am holding in my hands, whether that is audio tapes, transcripts, or notes from the focus group, I am holding in my hands the voices of the participants. I am holding in my hands, frankly, a gift that they have given me, which is a look into their lives, often deep personal experiences that they've shared, stories that they've told us. And more than just what the individuals have given us, in the process of focus groups, in my experience, often the participants engage in some sort of shared storytelling where together they start to make meaning of their experience or the topic that we're discussing. Now, that is requires a level of commitment to respect their voices that, well, I think it's just something that you probably know I'm absolutely obsessive about because if somebody hands me their insights and their vulnerability and their maybe controversial perspectives and I abuse those or misinterpret those or overly condense them so I minimize what it is that they're saying to me, that is a violation of trust. And Once people know that what they say is not safe with me or it is minimized or overly sort of like the square peg is shoved into a round hole, they just won't trust you to to engage again. And so my commitment when I'm going to the data is to say, what can I hear in these voices? And if there is something that I'm not clear about or not sure about, I'm not going to impose an assumption on the data. I'm going to ask more questions. So that gets back to the evaluative thinking we discussed in a podcast. If I say, I think this is what they're telling me, how do I know what I think I know that they're telling me? And we use a process called participant validation or member check-in. So in situations where I think I don't fully understand what it was they said to me, I may go back to them or I may go to others and say, what do we think this is telling us? So it's not really ethical, but it's really really just a requirement of somebody who's going to do focus groups that you use them for the right reason, you use them in a way that creates safety and trust, and that you make the time that people invest in giving you insights worth it to them. And then finally, the last thing I'm going to say, Elizabeth, is I think there is a real responsibility to report their findings accurately and transparently. And in many cases, before I will do that, I will give participants an opportunity to look at some of their direct quotes. And if they feel uncomfortable, they always have the right to say, I don't want that quote included. So this is, it's it's partly about analytical skill, but it's also partly about the intention you bring to the use of focus group data. Hmm. 
important items and also I would hope and wish that each researcher or each project leader or team is listening to what you're saying Carolyn but also works that way when if we go down this path of holding a focus group and we have that data really seeing it as a gift from the participants I like how you stated that and and just being so just making that requirement that you honor the data as such. So before we wrap up, I know you did mention um, a recommended resource. And then if you had anything else to share before we close, would you want to say that now? Well, the recommended resource is the Kruger and Casey book, Focus Groups, A Practical Guide for Applied Research. That's the fifth edition published in 2015. I mean, there are all sorts of books, but this is the one that I, I really return to again and again. And we actually have that in our library at CPCL. So if somebody wants to come and look at it, sort of try it before you buy it, we'd be very happy to do that. The only other thing that I would say is that focus group setup and analysis is time consuming and it's a burden both, often a burden for the participant and it's also potentially quite a lot of work for the research team or the inquiry team. So I would encourage people to go back and listen to the podcast we did on questions first, methods second, to be sure that if you're going to embark on a focus group, it is the right method for your inquiry project. Mm, excellent point. Okay. How can folks, if they do want to borrow, and I remember, Carolyn, you coming to a group in neurosciences and talking to us about focus groups, and I did download the handout and reviewed the book and stuff, and they are great guides. I think the whole group that you spoke to thought the same. How can folks reach out to you? Where can they find you online? If people want to contact me directly with questions about this, my email is cfowler and the number one at jhmi.edu. Our center email is cpcl at jhmi.edu. And we have our Facebook group, which is our community of practice for collaborative leadership. And that they can find at the Johns Hopkins Center for the Practice of Collaborative Leadership. Excellent. Well, always a pleasure. I enjoyed having you back as a guest for this quick mini series, these three podcasts with Carolyn from the Center for the Practice of Collaborative Leadership. And Carolyn, I'm sure we will again, you know, a few months time have a couple more we'll be bringing to the group. So, you know, audience, listeners, if you had any topics you're interested in, you can always contact uh, myself at nursinginquiry at jhmi.edu. But Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us again. And we will, as you mentioned, refer the listeners back to our first series, this series, and then whatever yet to come. Thank you, Elizabeth. It's always a pleasure talking with you.